0: Go ahead and open your Bible to the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 2. Let me ask you this question as you're turning there. What would you do if the one you were married to cheated on you again and again and again and again? What would you do if the more you loved him the more he chased after other lovers. If the gifts you spent all kinds of money and worked so hard to be able to give her, she attributed to all of her other lovers rather than to you. What would you do? Such is the situation Yahweh finds himself in with Israel in the book of Hosea. And so... Yahweh tells Hosea to go marry a prostitute, to go marry a harlot, so that he will experience just a taste of what Yahweh himself is experiencing. Israel has committed flagrant harlotry. The creator of the universe, the almighty maker, the great I am, Yahweh God, The God of Israel has been forsaken and been forgotten by his bride who is pursuing all sorts of other lovers. The words of Hosea are shocking. She, Israel, went after her lovers, but me, that is Yahweh, she forgot. What? How could you forget Yahweh, the one who brought you out of Egypt? One of my colleagues, when I taught in high school in Alabama, I think I can use his name because he's not around here. Uh, Mr. Allen was his name. Uh, He used to give this advice, uh, and I am not recommending it. Um, But this was his advice. If you're going to leave your spouse, you had better upgrade, not downgrade. That was his advice. How do you upgrade from Yahweh? Yahweh. How do you upgrade from the king of kings? How do you upgrade from the one who rescued you out of slavery and gave you life and brought you into a land that was good and right? Can you possibly get better than having the almighty, loving God, Yahweh, as your devoted and faithful husband? Did Israel really think that these other lovers were better than the Lord? Hosea's words are are truly sickening. And they leave the reader expecting to hear the Lord say, therefore I will forget her and her children. But that's not what the Lord does. Look at chapter 2 and verse 14. Therefore I am now going to allure her. Bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there. And the valley of Achor, that's the valley in which um, Achan and his family were put to death. The valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it will come about in that day, declares Yahweh, that you will call me Ishi and will no longer call me Bailey. Ishi means my husband. Bailey means my master. What is God doing? Alluring Israel. First of all, do you know what that, do you know what that word means? This word that is used here, allure Israel, this is the same word that's used twice in the story of Samson when the men of Philistia begged Delilah to allure Samson to entice Samson or seduce Samson so that they can find some way to take away his strength. It's the word used primarily in romantic contexts, like Genesis 34, where Shechem loved Dinah, Jacob's daughter, and the text says, spoke tenderly to her, that is, allured her. Or in Ruth chapter 2 and verse 13, where Boaz spoke kindly to, to Ruth. He allured her. This wasn't the kind of sweet talk you give to your grandma, This is a romantic, passionate love. And so the everlasting God is going to allure, entice, seduce his unfaithful harlot known as Israel. It has been talked about in this century and in every century. This is difficult for us to wrap our minds around. We don't think like that. Culturally, this is totally antithetical to everything in our culture. The idea of pursuing any sort of relationship that's not instantaneously and almost immediately gratifying in some way for the individual is virtually unheard of in this nation. One of the main reasons in our society divorce rates are so high is that we've developed this twisted dependence upon happiness in order to love. I'll love you as long as you make me happy. But if you stop making me happy, then I'm not going to love you. We think one cannot truly love if she or he is not made happy. We believe that faithfulness is dependent upon the other person's faithfulness to us. And we have too much self-worth to allow ourselves to be used or taken advantage of, to stay in some sort of relationship that is not in some way fulfilling to us. We certainly aren't going to be trampled on like some doormat, taken advantage of. When, someone, when, when someone's spouse mistreats them, the common advice in our culture is for the wrong party to give up the relationship, saying things like, that person doesn't deserve you. You shouldn't be wasting your time. You're too good to put up with that. In fact, we consider people foolish who would continually pursue someone who's been unfaithful to them, especially if that unfaithfulness has happened more than once. And this is what makes Yahweh's actions all the more unthinkable. The love of God shown in the book of Hosea is considered almost disgusting in our culture today. How could he be so foolish as to continue to pursue a persistently disloyal wife? Not only that, but to entice her to return when I think of alluring, when I think of enticing, this is what I think about. I think of, first of all, uh, there was an old lady in the church uh, that I used to go to um, who, she had Tic Tacs. And there was a baby in the church. And the way that she would get the baby to come up and say hi is, every day she'd be shaking the Tic Tacs out of church, you know, and there comes the baby. But everybody in the church knew that the baby wasn't interested in her. It just wanted the Tic Tacs. So here it goes. Um, those of you have been to my house know this is true. Uh, I think about my dog, Winston. Um, anybody can get him to follow them. them. All they have to do is have tasty enough meat in their hand, and he will follow you wherever you take him. Everybody knows, though, he's not interested in you. He's interested in what's in your hand. How could Yahweh do this? What about the risk? Think about what God is risking by alluring Israel back to himself. He risks the condescending glance of everybody around. How could the God of heaven stoop so low as to be alluring, enticing, seducing Israel to come back to himself? I mean, after all, if he's really worth that much, he shouldn't have to stoop to that level to try to attract Israel back to him. But But he did. And this is the great irony. In fact, God is worth it. In fact, God shouldn't have to do that. He's the greatest husband that anybody could ever have. And yet, he was willing to stoop so low to allure his bride back to himself. And what we're seeing in the book of Hosea is the scandalous... Crazy love of God. Listen to this at the end of the book, Hebrews chapter, or Hosea chapter 11 in verse 8, where Yahweh says this, How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Admon? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim again, for I am God and not man. The Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. What kind of man would be like this? There is no man that would be like this. The faithfulness of God extends far beyond, transcends far beyond the faithfulness of man. And this is the amazing thing about Yahweh. He has a never giving up kind of love for his people, where he persistently pursues us with a loyal covenant love. And I want us today, as we come to the supper, I want us to think about how amazing God's love is. I want us to think about how persistent God has been, not just in the lives of humanity or Israel in general, but in the lives of us. Think about your life and think about the times when you've cheated on God. Think about the times in which you've been unfaithful to God. And then think about how persistently and faithfully the Lord has pursued you in spite of that. And may that move you tonight, today as we take the supper. Truly, the greatest evidence that God pursues us, that God allures us to come back to Him, that God is res- relentless in His pursuit of us, is Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ shows us that God desires a relationship at whatever cost to Himself. There is nothing He would not pay. His only Son, Jesus Christ, was given up on the cross so that we we might have the greatest gift God could ever allure us with. And we come together to remember that, to, to, to behold the incredible, matchless love of God. Our husband, our lover. And that's why we're here at this moment, to remember that great sacrifice that Jesus made, his body, which was broken on the cross, his blood, which was shed. So let's think about this matchless love as we give thanks to our God and take the supper today. I want you to think about your infidelity. I want you to think about Yahweh's alluring, to think about how faithfully Yahweh has has persisted in pursuing you and brought you back with his love. And may that, as we take the supper, may that lead us to renew our vow to him, to be faithful to him from this day on and forever.